Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter. All right. Welcome, everybody. It is Friday. Uh, it is 1 o'clock on the West Coast, and you are listening to the Veteran Founder Podcast. I am your host, Josh Carter, along with my co-host, Carmen. Welcome, everyone. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to all. Uh, you know, I, this isn't a plug. It's not. I'm not being paid for this, but I want to say, last week we had Nick from Stubble and Stash, and I bought some of the daily moisturizer, and I see the difference. Oh, my God. My beard is so much more smooth and feels more luscious. Uh, so we hope Nick is listening. Yeah, like I said, not a paid endorsement, just a big fan of the the products and great company to uh, to support. So I'm really excited to uh, to have that in my home now as a daily moisturizer and supporting veteran businesses. So Stubble and Stash, thank you so much for making my beard look amazing. <laughs> so uh, this week, if, if you are not familiar, if you're new to the show, uh, first of all, welcome. Uh, here's how it goes. We spend the next hour just talking to an amazing founder who happens to be a veteran, who happens to be doing something remarkable, and we spend the next hour just talking about their story and where we're he- where they're headed with this. And this week, we have a friend of Patriot Boot Camps, a friend of just the veteran ecosystem in general, Vita, uh, Lito Villanueva from Battle Buddy. Welcome, sir. Hey, well, how's it going? Can you welcome, hear me okay? Lido. I can hear you just fine, sir. So, so Lido, I, you know, you and I, I've, I've known you for a bit. You've gone, you've gone to Patriot Bootcamp before. So I know your story, but mm-hmm. not my listeners don't. But right? I don't either. And Carmen doesn't know either. Carmen doesn't know the story of Lido. So let's let's sort of backtrack a bit and talk about Lido. So let's talk about your military background and sort of where you're from and what you did in the military. And, okay. And, and uh, what led you uh, into the military? Yeah. Okay. Um, let's start with the where I'm from. I just came back from vacation in the Philippines, and nice. that's where I was born. So um, Cebu, Philippines is my home, yeah. um, like back when I was really young. And then I immigrated to the United States when I was five years old. What part of the Philippines and, were you from? This the uh, south uh, area or near Manila? Yeah, it's in the southern area. My family was from Cebu, Philippines, which is the second largest city, and then Manila, which is the largest city right. in the Philippines in the capital. Nice. Mm-hmm. So I was born there and went through, you know, the public education system. My mother um, was a banker and my father, um, my stepfather was prior Navy, actually. He enlisted out of Subic Bay in the Philippines. Okay. And after he retired in 20 years, he joined the post office. And while we were going through this period of transition, um, it was around the 2008, 2000, uh, 2007, 2008 financial crisis is mm. basically the time that I graduated high school. Um, so I did go to undergrad, um, found out that, you know, it kind of wasn't for me, didn't want to be the financial burden in the family and decided to enlist in the Air Force. Nice. Um, yep. So I spent time in the Air Force. Um, my AFSC at the time was a 2E2 through 1, which was uh, network systems and cryptographic uh cryptographic maintenance and infrastructure systems um so really just a fancy way of saying i was doing communications and it work um but also during this time um i only went two years active and got force shaped out 
um, gave me all my benefits, um, separated honorably, but I was left with an immense amount of training that really wasn't being put to use. So um, essentially about six months after I ets while I was on terminal leave, um, I found a contract gig nice. um, with Army Signal. And so by the time I was 21, I had a contractor job. And that January of 2012, I would spend the next year four deployed at Ford op- Operating Base Masamugar, um, about 45 minutes in a Huey ride um, southwest of Kandahar. Oh, and yeah, that's kind of where uh, <laughs> most of my, my four deployed experience went. Um, so I did that for a year. And then after my contract was over, I went back stateside, um, decided to go back into schooling and undergrad and trying to knock that out. Um, but for everything, um, well, for all intents and purposes, the money overseas was just really good. And yeah. after my first semester back, you know, um, we were there, there, there was actually a really good program down in San Diego out of um, the community colleges down there, which I applied for where the student veterans could actually get a full ride scholarship to any of the UCs. So like UCSD was a, an opportunity to go through, um, with, with a free full ride, um, in like without having to utilize your GI bill. So I was like, that's a, sounds oh, like wow. a great option. Yeah. It sounds like a great option. Is that but, through uh, uh, student veterans of America or was that uh, yes, through a different, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. It was through the SVA and, um, they had one of the best, uh, student veteran chapters around and, it was just one of those places that you can call kind of like a second home in between yeah. classes and the people were great. And I actually visited it again last year and I was like, like, cool, it's still here. And like, you know, there's a bunch of veteran student veterans around there. Um, there are a lot of really good veteran organizations that help, uh, really move the needle for veterans. And I will say, uh, without question, student veterans of America is one of those organizations where for transitioning vets who are looking to get an education or transition into something next, I mean, that it's, it's such a great, and it's a nonprofit. It's a great nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Friend of the organization, James Schmeling, uh, helps run that organization, and he's he's been on the show as well. And uh, just such a great, uh, great org. So I'm glad you got a chance to uh, to utilize them. Yes, and they come up later too, as oh, um, like awesome. in the future. Yeah, they, and in the future of um, kind of like me living in the Las Vegas area. Yeah. Um, so uh, essentially, I had another kind of decision to make is, is am, am I going to go back overseas and work as a contractor um, or am I going to go back to school or, excuse me, con- continue the rest of my undergrad? Um, and I just made the decision to go back overseas. Life was more fun over there. Um, <laughs> so what were you doing overseas? You talked about being in uh, Kandahar. What was sort of your role yeah. as being a contractor? Uh, I was in networking, uh, okay. network systems administrator. And same thing, just working on both the strategic and tactical communications network uh, in the Afghanistan AOR. Um, anything from you know direct customer support to a lot of the uh, technical infrastructure that requires an internet yeah. presence in um, in a desert. And there really isn't a lot of infrastructure when you start, so it was really one of those experiences where like, okay, we can see things get built from the ground up. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people that are listening to this that uh, may not be part of the military community know mm-hmm. that once you get past the Red Sea, that 
income that you have is is uh, tax free, right? And, and I don't right. know if they still do that, but that, I mean, you can literally make way more money when you're getting over there and doing things like Lido has done, and uh, and it could be it could really set you up for whatever the next thing is that you're trying to do. So I, that's like right. it's a great uh, great uh, plan that you had. Yeah, and and, yeah. and what you mentioned about you started everything from ground up. That's mm-hmm. a remarkable experience to have. You know. So, because there, there's a lot of security concerns uh, mm-hmm. when you're overseas, and so mm-hmm. you probably have such a, a great experience that is very marketable oh, uh, in the U.S. Yes, um, absolutely. I, I learned quite a lot, and I, I think it's I, it might be like kind of like a gallows humor, maybe way of coping while you're overseas, but it wasn't really like the bullets or the IDFs, um, like the indirect fire or like any of the mortars being launched at you. That was like the stressful part. It was more like getting along with your coworkers <laughs> seven days a week, 365. Uh, isn't that funny? I can relate to that because I was on a small <laughs> vessel in my time during the Navy and we had yeah. 250 people on our small, tiny itty bitty boat. Oh, wow. And it was, you're right. It's not the stress of like what can happen to you. It's like the small scuttlebutt or the gossipy things that happen in a small unit. <laughs> right. It's like, why'd you move my computer monitor? Or like, where's the coffee? Like, I'm, oh gosh. Uh, so were you working seven days a week uh, or how did, how does that work? Sure. You get time um, off and you work around the clock? Um, essentially, uh, it depends on the contract that you're on. Um, oh, to go back to the, the topic before, um, yeah, if, if you're working overseas, um, there is there is about, it's increased over time. When I first started, it was like $99,000, which, which was uh, tax-free from, mm-hmm. from your income. Um, I think now it's like at 105000 So Love it. Um, so, so any of the money that you've made... Um, that's you know below that amount is essentially tax free, which is yeah just a a great benefit for anybody who's working um, quote unquote foreign income because um, yep. you're out of the country for out of the continental U.S. for 330 days. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. right. So it was a huge tax benefit, and you know a lot of the other contractors that I know, I kind of took advice from them, which is like you know you don't have to go back to the states for vacation, just find another country to go to um i was like oh okay yeah, yeah let's do that <laughs> there are enough back flights that go to really nice ports of visits yeah. that you just jump on so right yeah yeah no right. i agree um so so with the in, in the contract world it really just depends on the company that you um contract with sometimes it is you know you are paid five days a week or sometimes it's you're working seven days a week or six days a week with one day off um it just depends and due to the current like um, global economic climate of the wars over there, it's kind of slowed down significantly, but there's always a, a shuffle of resources around the world. I mean, there's always a war somewhere else, whether it's in like the Horn of Africa or North Korea or Syria, like there, there's a lot of different opportunities there. If you're willing to take that, you know, perceived risk mm-hmm. of, of war. Um, so that kind of leads into like, um, so that was about 2014 when I made that decision. And um, also at this time, there were a lot of different um, elements that were also forward, forward deployed that you kind of get associated with, but you actually kind of sometimes don't know where they're from. And this is kind of the precursor to the story um, before I was augmented to the Joint Special Operations Command down in Bragg. Um, 
so essentially what happened was I was moved from my uh, my base of origin when I re when I recontracted in 2014 14 excuse me um, I was working out of Ford operating base shank which was colloquially known as um, Rocket City which was fine um, so that was one of those experiences where it's like okay we do get indirect fire every day but don't worry there's no like thermal guidance system just get on the ground and you'll be fine <laughs> um, and there's a, there's a couple of ways that we uh, cope with this but that's, just get, I'm just get you, on that's, the ground I like that that's yeah a, basically that's a good, uh... just get on the ground you know if you're if you're driving <laughs> I learned how to drive stick there you know it was great it was like don't drive with the seatbelt that way you can kind of just ditch the vehicle put it in neutral and then get on the ground I was like oh, okay cool um so, you know, so like survival things yeah um but i was moved from there to a base up north um in a, a, a very uh it was a nato base it was a german german base in masri sharif and there was a soft element there and there was a soft present presence so i was working um our our strategic um kind of big army uh, network operations center and there was you know, a fusion center and all these different things. It's, it's, it's been since closed down. Um, but there was this element there that um, was working as an LNO or like as a liaison to um, a couple of the um, Five Eyes partners that we had. And yeah, one day, um, come to find out, like their crypto went down. So their security comms went down. And they kind of came into our little help desk and they were like, hey, does anybody know how to fix this and i was like yeah i know how to do that like absolutely <laughs> so you know like hey our network engineer is not here like you know could you do this and i was like yeah absolutely so 30 minutes later comms are good everything's secure like great and uh, my contact at the time um, who kind of drove me over i was like cool man hey uh here's my resume <laughs> like uh <laughs> i'm looking for work like i have a ts like i'm clear awesome. like what's up um, TSA's then, top secret, I would suspect, yes. right? Yeah, nice. Yes. So the, uh, the Air Force, <laughs> like, like I said, like the Air Force did so much for me, like sponsored me at TSSCI before I kind of left because of the nature of our work. I think at some um, point, just to, just to, for, for your Carmen's sake and maybe others, we need to like have show notes that have all the glossaries of the of the different acronyms our guests. Oh, uh, yeah, right. I was going to ask what that T S C I is. Yeah, it's all good. You can keep talking in acronyms. We'll just put it in show notes or something. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think like best practice, they're not supposed to tell you or you're not supposed to say it, and then there's like a bunch of recruiters on LinkedIn like, hey, looking for T S C I cleared F S poly like. And you're like, how are we supposed to get these jobs and trust you and like apply? Like, I don't know you. Like, it's <laughs> it, it can be very um, yeah scary at times. Actually, like, no. to kind of kind of put yourself out there. I agree. I agree. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, I digress. Uh, you were oh, talking about right. uh, getting um, a job. Getting a job. Um, getting a job was fine. Like, pass the technical interview, pass the um, pass the cultural interview, and within um, let's say about like a month, month and a half. Um, I quit my old employer, took a vacation for about 10 days and quickly redeployed back to Afghanistan. But this time with a much higher clearance, much higher pay and some really, really high speed folks that even to this day, I still look up to like those guys were, were awesome. Um, and they, and they do have like, you know, the, uh, the joint special operations community does have like public face elements, um, the joint communications unit, JCU. 
um, also known as like the DoD's finest communicators. Like just a great, <laughs> nice. great group of people. Like just, just awesome. And I had, yeah, a privilege of working for them for the next two years. That's awesome, Lito. We got to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back with Lito Villanueva uh, for Battle Buddy. Mm-hmm. CPA dudes where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. That guy's got a great radio voice. I don't know. Every time I hear that, it's just... It's warm and, uh, and fuzzy. He's great. We got to get that guy paid. So we are back <laughs> with v, uh, with uh, Lido Villanueva uh, from Battle Buddy. We were just talking about uh, you know transitioning into the job out of the DoD world. Uh, what was the next step for you after you you know you had this job for a while? What was that next step for you? Yeah. Um, so working um, working working within that community um, eventually kind of just um, worked up to the enterprise level and got to see. Um, WAN network engineering, so kind of like the six continents worth of internet traffic, and and really doing some some amazing stuff at that level. Um, and and I think just personally, um, in terms of like my own career goals of like what I wanted to do, um, maybe there's like a level of um, not being satisfied with what my role was at the time or the scope of responsibilities that I had, like I wanted to do more, like create a much larger impact. And, you know, like I also knew that like billets for like higher positions in an executive role or um, just maybe not having like um, a personal sync with the mission that I was supporting. Sure. And and that kind of like um, messed with me internally. So, how so? Um, I think I think you know sometimes we we, we easily forget um, like the military is an organization that is trained and excels in maximizing lethality, and you know those are the types of programs that I supported, which was direct um, on fire uh, kinetic missions, and we've gotten really good at that, and it was one of those things where. I didn't really understand from more of like a psychological or a mental fortitude level. I didn't really know um, like how, how to like openly express these types of concerns that I had. Like, you know, why are we doing these things? Mm-hmm. You know, war is a horrible <laughs> experience. Like, yeah. you know, there, there's a lot of things that um, gets left um, unmentioned when people transition back and you are normally trained to just, you know, kind of what you're told is just bury that deep as possible for as long as possible and don't ever let it come out. Don't ever talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just live with that internally for the rest of your life. So that's kind of been like the past or maybe the current status quo of sure. how to deal with anything like, you know, back then it was called shell shock. Now it's PTS and PTSD. Like, this is how you're supposed to cope with it. And I was like, well, that sucks. Like, 
Hey, that, that doesn't seem right. Um, Which seems like, counterintuitive to, uh, you know, the fact that, you you know, most military folks are very opinionated. They're happy to give you their opinion on a vi- wide variety of issues, right? including All like, the time. you know, like, you know, where's my coffee and why did you move my monitor? But like, to your point, <laughs> yeah. right, uh, you, you, this, this thing that's very serious and very um, just a huge threat to veterans in general. Is something we're supposed to bottle up, which is really, uh, you know, interesting and compelling. Right, and that's um, and 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 there's there's a couple of like I would say in, in um, internal or like inert cultural stigma that still, you know, is pervasive in the military society of like, and I think we've been institutionalized when we were really young, um, or you know, younger enlisted or, or, or junior officers, just like. You know, don't show. Well, maybe I don't know about junior commissioned officers, but for the junior enlisted, is you know, don't show any signs of weakness. Like you can, you take this on, you take the beach, you take the hill, and you man up and you do it. So I think a lot of that is one of the reasons why we we don't talk about emotional vulnerability or um, the psychological um, deterioration that that comes from um, that comes from war. And there are sometimes, um, how, how should I say this? Like there, there are sometimes um, incentives to not talk about it when you come back, sure. Because you know you will get flagged or you will get, um, you know, marked, and then now you're non-deployable. Yeah, and you can't do your job. Well, part and, of that too is part of this, especially if you have a clearance. In your case, right, right like having a, t- a top secret clearance, mm-hmm. you you show mental weakness or some sort of vulnerability. You definitely right. put that clearance in jeopardy, and I think that's right. where ultimately we had Nick on last week who said that's basically the same point. thing, right? right? Like he was special operations, right. and a yeah. lot of the mental health stuff that meant that uh, folks in the special operations or folks with high clearance have mm-hmm. to deal with. Part of that is mental competency and just this ability to bottle things that are really severe things that you go through uh, right. and sort of bury them deep down and not deal with them. Uh, but, you know, to your point, having to deal with them afterwards is really difficult. Right. I actually didn't even renew my clearance um, just for that reason. Like, I didn't want to, like, have to go through that sure. um, process. Like, it was just like, I'm probably going to be done with this line of work. Um so that leads on to coming back home yeah. where I start, um, like not immediately, but it starts manifesting. Um, and, and it manifests in like really subtle ways, I would say. And, and what, but what do you think was the most obvious way? I think the most obvious way. So when I first came back in 2012, or excuse me, early 2013, <clears throat> excuse me, um, was the quick to anger. Like that was one yeah. where like, you've experienced like all of these um, inequalities with the world and what's the, the unfairness. And it feels like, you know, coming back home and trying to adjust through that um, reverse culture shock is like, why are people like, having, why are people stressed out over these small little things? Like what we would consider small little things, yeah. like my phone got scratched yeah. or I, I dropped my coffee and now I have to walk back a mile. Like, like these small little problems where like you're just like quick to anger when you like think there's all these other problems overseas that you know you you don't see but then you know the coming and coping with that was like it's not they're not supposed to see that like your job was to prevent people from seeing that like your job is to ensure that 
they, 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 that, that the people and the, and, the, and the citizens and the civilians in the United States don't have to. Like, you're doing that. And I was like, okay, cool. I got that. <laughs> yeah. But what started manifesting um, when, when I came back was realizing um, I was slowly choosing to self-isolate. And I was slowly trying to bottle things up even more. Um, like I didn't want to reach out to friends or like if I did, like I would just talk in a different language. Like we would talk about war, like kind of like how I talk now. I was like, oh yeah, you know, we got mortared every day. I'm like, it's whatever. And people are just looking at you like, holy shit, man. Like what? <laughs> like, and like, and I'm like, yeah, it was no thing. Like, oh yeah, you know, our, our helo got shot up a couple times, but we're all right. Like no yeah. big deal. And you know, you, you start realizing like, okay, well I don't talk the same language anymore that these people talk, you know, these are my friends and they look about the same, but you know, I've experienced all these different things and they haven't. Yeah. So now I'm like, okay, well, how am I going to talk about this? Like, I don't want to be stigmatized. You know, I like, you don't want to be labeled and you slowly start, um, breaking away. Yeah. Um, from the community or from the people who probably really care about you. Um, that's when I realized that my mental health was degrading. That's when like suicidal ideations started manifesting. Um, I was extremely suicidal, um, in the fall of 2016. And it was just one of those things where I felt really, really trapped in the situation. Um, that seemed to, you know, kind of come from nowhere and you're wrestling with all of these, um, pros and cons of life and death and then mm-hmm. maybe guilt and regret of the actions you've done overseas or like, you know, trying to repent if that's even possible, you know, um, trying to understand war and like all these different things that, that other people cope with in different ways, drugs, alcohol. Um, I mean, I live in Las Vegas. You can just imagine like what goes on here in, in terms of adult debauchery. Like there's a lot of things that, um, like slowly try to start pushing yourself down a dark path. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can speak intimately about how I wanted to kill myself and using my own weapon and going through the motions and slowly pushing the boundary of the line of what is okay. You know, um, originally it was just unloaded, then it was loaded, then it was, you know, finger off the trigger well, and then it was finger on the trigger well, and then you're like, okay, how much force is required to go to the gun range and like kind of figure that out and Holy no, okay shit, man yeah it's it's really a a way to step to slowly step up you know that level of normalcy yeah and i think we've been institutionalized before and like how to do this and make it normal and yeah that was kind of where i was at like i i did have all of these plans before while i was working overseas that like you know i incorporated my company um in 2014 while i was still in um, undergrad, um, I reincorporated it in 2016. Um, when I got back, I wanted to do, you know, an IT consultancy for network engineering and cybersecurity because that's my line of work. And I had all these plans set in stone or like at least starting to move forward. And then this thing kind of just hits you out of nowhere and you're like, Whoa, what the hell was that? Um, 
What I think is interesting about this story so far that you've been telling me is that you're cognizant of this this whole time. You know, you know that you're becoming detached from being able to connect with your friends and, and that this is isolating you even further. And so that's so fascinating about your story that you're cognizant of this and that you believe that this is the path forward for you because you're just going to get more isolated. Talk to me right. about your transition into Battle Buddy because I know it leads into the story of you know, how you created Battle Buddy. Right. So what, um, what, what I had, and I, I think what is sometimes missing with a lot of um, veterans who are kind of going through this, or even active duty or anyone else who are in, you know, critical job roles, first responders, emergency, um, you know, law enforcement, um, is I, I had, I had a small network, I had, I had a small group of friends, and, you know, one of my best friends who eventually became my co-founder was um oh was worried about me like my, my mom and my dad they were like they realized that there were signs and symptoms and something was wrong but um not really knowing exactly how to help you know and like i, I was really think i was like you know, I, like thank you guys for um caring about me but it, it's just not helping and mm -hmm. it, it slowly started to um get progressively worse but during those moments of 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 critical of of basically critical moments in my life um they were there like there was somebody there that was constantly reaching out and that helped a lot and that and that kind of pushed me away from the edge and, and kind of brought me back and that's what i realized that maybe this is the thing that works and when i kind of was finally able to like recollect myself and say like you know um you know, I started feeling like before this time, before this moment in my period, like I didn't, I, I really didn't believe in like depression or like anxiety, or I didn't believe in, you know, suicidal ideation. Like none of that, like was ever, you know, part of my, um, um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's that Rumsfeldian, um, planning. Like it, it was my unknown unknown. Like I didn't know this was a thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I got how, really curious. So did you ever say to yourself, I need to go get help? I mean, uh, you, you said that people reached out to you, but, you know, did you ever say to yourself, I need to get professional help? Uh, did you ever go that down that path? Nope. I mean, I know the hotline. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. You know, 273, you know, 8255. Like, okay, I get it. I know the VA is amazing. Like, they do really good work. But I've also been to the VA, and I know it's it's one of those things. And this was like one of those times where, oh, was that is that considered PTSD? Where you're talking to your primary care physician and you just shut down and you just get through it? Yeah, I, I chuckle like, oh, because yeah. you mentioned dealing with the VA, right? I think a lot of people have this perception of dealing with the B, the VA as this inadequate, inefficient, monolithic, you know, agency that just has a horrible track record of helping people. So I totally get why that may right. not be a, a viable option. Right. And, and that's the thing too, is like trying to break that, that stigma of, you know, like the VA is actually there and it's actually really good and, yep. and the treatments work and the timeline therapy, it works. It's, it's getting over that, that stigma that like, oh, I, I don't want to be, you know, like, like nobody wants to be a problem when you go through 
the process. You just you just want to get there as quickly as possible, keep your head down, and you'll stay alive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and Lito, right. I, don't, I don't mean to interrupt this, but we got one more break. We got to take, or actually, this is our second break. It, right? second. second break. Second break. Today's episode of The Veteran Startups is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. For instance, media relations. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them Carmen and Josh sent you. Man, that even that voice is amazing. Like this is great. I love these voices. It's like we have the best commercial reader voice people. Right. We really do. And actually I was gonna comment on Lido's. You really have a, a nice newscaster voice like Tom Broca. I mean to me, oh, yeah. Tom Broca. Wow, what a voice. It's like warm yeah. and fuzzy. Yeah. So we are back with uh Lido Villanueva from Battle Buddy. We're just getting into sort of the precipice of of Battle Buddy and why it was created. Uh Lido, uh, I'll let you take it from here, but really Really, I want to understand uh, why Battle Buddy, why it's important, and, and how right. it's helping uh, military folk. Right. So I had this network of friends. I had these people and these loved ones that cared out for me, and it's only their constant communication, which is what actually reduced my ideation and prevented me from execution. And as we've gone through the, the, the last two years from, from 2016 until now on uh, learning about suicidology, learning about ideation, execution, everything that everything that contributes to this factor, uh, I was really looking at preventative maintenance. And the only thing that's been shown to work in in historical trials with objective um, with objective scientific data um, was constant communication. And, and that was it. That was the only thing that said said, hey, look, this reduces the rate of ideation, of execution, of everything. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes it somewhat simple. How do we do that? And so we actually started off with creating a physical product. And I think I mentioned that to you before, Josh, um, on a different conversation about our little smart challenge coin device. Yeah. But we actually made it a little bit more simple now, where essentially what you do is you purchase a subscription for a friend who you might think is suicidal to talk to a therapist just over text message or over voice. And through that sponsorship, you know, you don't have to worry about uh, what to do in that situation because they'll know what to do. Um, I'm assist trained, applied suicide intervention skills trained. um, And one of the biggest things that, one of the core tenets of um, preventing suicide is actually having um, the courage to ask the question for anybody that you know um, might be considering suicide. Um, and the question's simple. You say, hey, are you thinking about suicide? Or have you thought about killing yourself? And how long ago was this? What's your plan? How would you do it? And these are questions that can actually be kind of scary to ask because you don't know what happens if they say, yeah, I'm suicidal. Um, but the training is great because it tells you what to do and how to ease off of um hopefully ease a person off um, off of the edge. And that's through another class called Safe Talk. Um, so there's all these tools and trainings available to prevent um, 
suicidal ideation and the execution. Um, and we really wanted to kind of continue that process or at least make an Herculean effort to really get rid of this problem. I think we know like the statistic is 20 to 22 veterans a day kill themselves. Like that is accurate. That is, you know, not just a, a BS metric or fake news or whatever. Like, no, that's straight out of the VA. Um, teen suicide rates are going up. You know, mental health degradation is going up globally. Um, and it's just one of those things that I think we can really tackle and we wanted to tackle um, kind of as a full-time job. So as, as, as it relates to those that are seeking help, how do you embolden or empower those that um, typically don't? Because a lot of the, the statistics I've read around veteran suicide is that at least a quarter of them never reached out to anyone about help. How do you get right. to that quarter of the veterans that are out there who don't even make an effort? Like, what, what are the tools out there that you could provide that enable them uh, or empower them, I guess is the better word, to really mm -hmm. feel like it's okay to seek help? Right. Um, we, we've actually had a lot of um, discussion with a couple of other nonprofits that, you know, there, there's many of them that, that focus on this issue. Mm -hmm. um, Objective Zero is one of the, if not the most popular uh, application that you can install to be an ambassador and, and kind of uh, facilitate these types of um, the, these types of discussions. Um, there's um, oh I forget, but it's uh, but I just received their bag of hope. I'll have to return on that of what it was. I just met with one of the uh, executive directors. Nice. Um, but it's a grab bag of information and just at least like in the awareness and knowing what to do in those situations can really help. You know, directing them to the, the, the National Suicide Hotline also helps. Um, but the kind of missing piece that we're trying to get to is being able to say, hey, we come as a refer, uh, as a referral from one of your close friends. Mm -hmm. um, we've heard that you might be going through some things. You know, this is my background. You know, is there anything you want to talk about or like, you know, what's going on? And we're hoping that we can kind of facilitate that discussion and then bring that over either to the VA or to more qualified individuals in a, um, a, a non, how do I want, how do I want to say this? Like, like the, one of the biggest problems right now with, with the chain of escalation when it comes to like, okay, this person is like immediately about to kill themselves is, um, restrainment and that in itself can trigger PTSD and, you essentially just get, um, it's called legal 2000 or 5150, where they will involuntarily restrain you and then you're locked up in like a psych ward for three days at a cost of, if you're uninsured, you know, three to $4,000 a day. So now not only were you suicidal, but now you have the stress and trauma from being involuntarily detained and you have a bill of about twelve to $20,000 But when you get out. Mm and yeah it's like it's it's kind of it's kind of a really harsh process right. and do, who people, does that help at the end of the day right like right like who actually does, does that really help and then you know you go through the um you go through the you know you go th like for the people who've gone through the process before they can they can speak in much more granular detail um which if they're able to do that that is you know signs of PTS, where you can be very specific about exactly what's going on, who you're right. with, and what the situation was about. 
um, and you you again just lock up and you know you freeze and you say what they want uh, to hear so that you can escape that situation as soon as possible. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like the process right now that we're trying to uh, what's the Silicon Valley word disrupt? Yeah, disrupt. we're trying to disrupt that. <laughs> So, Lido, mm -hmm. uh, I have a couple of questions. So, you said that we, uh, who's the we when you talk about um, your um, company? Um, so, my co-founder is Bill Davis. He's um, he's part of a military family as well. Um, so, when I uh, immigrated to the United States, I lived in Illinois. Um, his his dad was also in the Navy. Um, and our, and then we have another family as well, the Jagodzinskis, and we all kind of like follow each other around the United States, essentially. Like we started in Illinois and we moved to San Diego and then, you know, we moved up to um, Northern California and we've kind of had this like really long, um, just familial relationship for a long time. And um, in 2017, in May of 2017, when I realized that this business is going to outscale my personal um, ability to have it grow. Um, I brought him on board. He was absolutely down with it. Like he understood the mission, and yeah, he's been my creative the entire time. And you guys, done. it's just you two right now, right? You have a bigger team uh, since since then. Um, so I made one of those mistakes of you know hiring my friends. Um, um, Don't worry, Lito, we've all done that. Or right. family. <laughs> or family, exactly. Yeah, and, you know, like, I get it. Like, you're trying, you know, you're just trying to survive and, and you're trying to really get this off the ground. And so I actually had um, a team of about eight people, almost nine people at one point. Um, and I, I let all of them go, uh, except for Bill. And... Yeah, it's it's one of those decisions that had to be made, and I generally still like good friends with all of them. Like it, it, it may have damaged our um, personal relationship sometimes, but I kept it very objective about like, hey, you're not meeting these goals. I've set out these um, objectives and um, or these OKRs or these KPIs, and then these things are just not making any sort of progress with your involvement, and you know whether it's a separation from my own. Um, personal savings that I've accrued over the time while I was working overseas to just personally pay out like the amount of time or the amount of work that they had already put in. Um, you know, we would try to separate as amicably as possible. Um, so keeping that was, you know, keeping that, um, type of relationship was, was probably the most difficult, but I learned a lot out of that. Um, now it is one of those, okay, like, who can I hire that is that, that can um, devote their time and energy into this mission full time at sweat equity. Um, so moving forward with, with, with those types of mistakes um, like 2019 is one of those times where, or is, is, is a year where we're looking to expand the current MVP, move it to the next stage of, you know, multi-platform delivery, um, and then hopefully um, our physical product, the Smart Challenge Coin, can actually make an appearance in a manner that um, makes sense for the current market that we've um, captured. 
So, Lito, help me understand. I, I understand the Smart Challenge coin is part of that physical a- activation, mm-hmm. but what what other ways are you thinking about as far as business structure and how how is this mm-hmm. how is this ultimately? I, it's a great purpose filled organization, but ultimately it's a business, right? Like how how yes. does this? What's the structure and the business model for Battle Buddy? Sure. So it's a monthly subscription. You know, you you're not buying it for yourself. You're actually sponsoring your friend for this. Yeah, so that's kind of like the business model innovation that we had, like the 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 um, sponsor subscription model. Um, so that's at a cost of about forty nine dollars a month, and you get matched up again, just very low key with a personal number of a therapist who knows how to talk to that individual, um, and that's kind of the uh, the current model offering of what makes. Um, you know, current product market fit with the viability of the tools that we have, the constraints that were placed over us. Um, and there's a, there's a huge market of individuals who have are seeking for this type of assistance, um, getting down our beachhead customer and knowing that um, our service is either cheaper or just better or, you know, non-judgmental and being able to talk in the same language as some of our veterans or some of our military folks like in acronyms kind of helps um you're already in that same discourse community you're already you already identify as as one of them and we're hoping that kind of gives us a little bit of a competitive advantage yeah that's great Lito. we got to take a quick uh, i think this is our last commercial break uh and we'll be right back okay yeah Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Start setting your business apart today. Visit callruby.com forward slash startup radio to sign up or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code StartupRuby. All right, we are back with Lido Villanueva mm-hmm. from Battle Buddy. Uh, so mm-hmm. we have about fifteen minutes left in the program, and I wanted to kind of go down the the your path of uh, some of the lessons learned and and some of the things that you've done throughout your business that you feel um, you could be doing better. So let's start with with that subject in particular. What are some okay. of the blind spots with your business? Like what what are some of the things that you are looking out for to ensure that this thing continues to grow? One, actually, personally, and this is probably the, the biggest sticking point for me, is organization. Um, I'm very much comfortable in my own chaos, but it is not ideal for trying to direct and run an organization. Sure. Um, I think ensuring that you stay as organized as possible um, ensures that you're fighting the... Excuse me. It ensures that you're fighting the most um, critical fire at the time. So whether that's legal or incorporation taxes, or hiring the right people, or your social media marketing um, platform, um, the core technology, um, or finding sales and customer, just knowing how to balance all that um, makes it, or excuse me, organi- organization makes it so much easier to uh, to balance all of those things. Um, outside of that, personal health, um, definitely getting into a routine of constantly being physically fit, getting enough sleep, like um, Conrad uh, says it best um, out of operation code, um, lack of sleep does not scale. Um, you you got to get your sleep and 
you, know, you may have a you know a, a week long sprint where okay no sleep is fine but like you really you really don't want to uh, sacrifice that one week time for you know two months of being a laggard so that's probably a personal um, that's probably one of the hardest challenges for me is, is knowing to you know stay consistent with uh, a sleeping schedule um, yeah that doing makes the sense. work. Yeah, I would say doing the work, that's important. Um, again, like I've, I've had to let people go and fire them because just work wasn't being done. Um, so do the work. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard, but do the work. <laughs> how, how, do you, um, how do you acquire new customers? I, yeah, I, mean, I was going to ask yeah, that. I, mean, I, I think it's, a, like I said, it's, it's one of those, you guys have definitely figured out your why, right? The Simon Sinek mm-hmm. start with why. I think you guys have figured that out, obviously. But how do you... How do people find you? How do people? How do you build awareness about this in a way that you can acquire more folks? Right. Um, just the best way that um, kind of most of the best media experts have or marketing experts have told me is through organic word of, word of mouth uh, communications, just like this. Um, so you're aware of it now, and I think that's great. We have a website, BattleBuddy.me. It's a little bit old, and it's kind of one of those things that's been put on the back burner. But signing up for email notifications is great. And that kind of helps us in our metrics to show that there is traction and that people want this. Um, we've started to do short form videos, um, about six seconds long, um, for just advertising in some platforms that are about social impact. So um, in the next uh, quarter, hopefully we can get some grant work to work with like KPBS or NPR or podcasts like this that um, may have a social media presence that um, could be about social impact, um, like suicide prevention, that are willing to see you know high quality content um, about this issue. Have you thought um, about um, marketing to the VA? Yes, and we have. Um, my consultancy is a SDVOSB, a service disabled veteran owned small business, and we do have like set aside preferences to enable to contract with the VA. It's just one of those avenues that we haven't been able to explore fully because it's such a long and arduous process whenever you're dealing with the government. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I, I do like the um, trying to get connected to the Department of VA, Department of Health and Human Services, um, even some of the uh, experimental outreach programs from the DOD, like AFWorks, SoftWorks, um, mm-hmm. and Army Futures Command uh, down in Austin. So with the smart challenge coin, it's obviously a physical product. What are some of the challenges yeah. you're you're running into now as you're looking to develop this as a product and then get it out to to the community? Um, satellites is actually a problem. Oh wow! Um, and let me, <laughs> yeah, let me explain. Um, so uh, the smart challenge coin, um, we actually just finished a um, the, the patent paperwork um, out of Cooley. Um, on last Halloween, actually, this, this one that just passed up, and um, the, the the how it how it kind of works is, or what it does is a is a proximity based ad hoc wireless mesh network, um, and there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, but we actually have to pivot away from that and instead do a different claim um, on how it could work. So uh, let me try to simplify this a little bit. So say you are in 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 Fallujah, okay, you're in Iraq or you're in Syria or you're in Afghanistan, and you have a family back home, and nobody knows what your status is because your access to the internet is limited. There's no cellular service, and your MWR or um, uh, was that 
uh, I forgot what MWR stands for, but essentially like Marine, your recreation. Was, uh, yeah, welfare, I think is something and wellness. Recreation. Yeah. yeah, wellness, and recreation. recreation. Yeah. And, and like just public internet to, to go on Facebook and stuff like that right. to keep people updated is very, very limited. Um, so what we instead wanted to do was have the Smart Challenge coin um, be kind of like a beacon or a satellite two-way pager that sends out a keep alive message or you kind of just double tap it and that's a heartbeat. So whoever the Smart Challenge coin holder is on the other side will see a little light and a vibration just knowing that you're still alive, like heartbeat. Mm. Uh, yeah. And Amazing. that's kind of, yeah, it's the idea of constant communication and universal suicide prevention. I like it. It's amazing. Um, so let I want we ask this question every week. Uh, it, it's really the biggest m- screw up that you've had in your entrepreneurial journey. So talk to us about describe your your biggest. I'll say f up because I know Carmen likes it when I uh, yeah. don't cuss Keep in the clean. pro. Keep it clean. Uh, <laughs> what what is your biggest f up in your entrepreneurial journey, and what are you doing to mitigate the risk of that happening in the future? My my biggest mistake I'm I know you talked about, you know, hiring friends and whatnot, but I mean mm-hmm. there's as entrepreneurs we screw up a lot of things, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of things we screw up, whether that's uh you know, we go in and we talk to a, a fundraising person and we look back and we go, There's no way I should have talked to that person because we weren't ready. Or you, know, you you say something in a customer meeting and you end up losing that customer or you put a product out that's not ready. Um, you know, what are some of the things that you've learned in your process that are like, I'm not doing that again? And it doesn't have to be just one. It can be many things. Yeah. Or maybe actually, there isn't any. Yeah, I mean, yeah, actually, it could, could be nothing. No, there, there, there actually is. And it's don't get distracted. Yeah, that's a good one. There, there are so many things that are fighting for your attention every 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 waking minute whether it's a notification of a supplier or um you know some some news or another venture or uh, you know just trying to just trying to maintain that that balance of ensuring that you you stay hyper focused on what what the goal is and you and you you got to stay hyper focused on that otherwise it it'll just slowly start to die away yeah don't chase the shiny object don't chase the shiny object which <laughs> is really hard for me and and my personality um i literally just finished an adhd diagnosis this morning um so there there's a lot of personal struggle that i've had with that mm-hmm. and distractions are one of those things that you know like it's 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 probably a lifelong struggle to find out what it is um, gets you in that state of flow or, or optimal time management and effectiveness. And yeah, th- I think everything else kind of comes easy after that. Yeah. Like, okay, focus on finding a customer. Cool. It's, let's it, do that. It's true. I've, I've told the, I've told this story a number of times on this program and to a number of the entrepreneurs that I mentor is that, you know, when, when Jeff Bezos created uh, Amazon, he didn't say we're going to drop drones, stuff on drones with houses and all this other stuff. He said, no, I'm going to be the biggest big bookstore in the world. And then when right. he was, he moved on to the next thing. Right. Like a lot of entrepreneurs uh, really struggle with that. And, and uh, you know, I, I struggled with it as an entrepreneur myself. It's, it's just you can't get distracted by things that are going to take you off the path 
of mm-hmm. of success. And mm-hmm. and in those early days, it's so profoundly important <laughs> because what happens is. Uh, it could set you off under a trajectory that is just, uh, you know, completely off, off in such a, w- in just the worst way possible. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you, you start, you don't get distracted. You don't get, um, your, 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 your sales don't get battered by, you know, cause you, cause you're reaching, right. You're, you're an entrepreneur. You don't know what's going on. Like I'm, I'm, I'm looking for feedback. Like, Oh, what did they say? What is that? Mm-hmm. De- what does the data show? Yeah. Like, this is good. And, there, there's so many things out there that you're just looking for and i mean part of it really is just like okay like it is great it'll get you 80 percent of the way there or you know if you're lucky but at some point just trust your gut instinct and keep going with it yeah and you can't be afraid to fail you know even if you fail in yes. one area you just gotta get back up and continue the race what's so interesting about this this problem that you're trying to solve is that you yourself are going through one of the hardest things you could possibly go at, through mm. as a human being. Like being an <laughs> entrepreneur in and of itself is yeah. such a profoundly difficult thing for you to go through. And then for yeah. you to tackle something like mental health while at the same time just having to struggle. <laughs> Do you see where I'm going here? Like this right. is just like a redundant process almost. And it's cyclical, but uh, but I love it. I love the fact that you identify this as a problem that needs to be solved because I definitely think it's something that we uh, we need to lower the barrier of of entry for people to understand that this is something that's okay to talk about, even as an entrepreneur veteran who has struggled with this in the past. That's amazing, man. And, and yeah. really, is what it is is out of your pain, out of your experience. Now there's a purpose for it because now you've come up with this tool and ideas to help other people. Yeah, and uh, it's sometimes things in life happen for a purpose. So, Lido, we have about a couple minutes left. Are there any parting words? Anything you want to you know say to the audience of of sort of um you know parting advice yeah um uh, to kind of uh a, a little bit of the comment on the last thing was uh you know it is kind of redundant and it it does feed into itself though it's a good thing the way it feeds into itself because this gives me that purpose that drive that i can wake up in the morning and say okay crap there's still people dying like we got to solve this yeah. problem so yeah. it's it's it lights a fire under my ass and it it keeps me going and that keeps me alive and for everyone else out there who's listening who's either an entrepreneur or may have gone through psychological breakdowns and mental health degradation or maybe suicidal just don't give up Nilo, find somebody to talk to don't be don't go through it alone yeah mm-hmm. exactly Lito where can people find you um, hmm where can people find me actually I want to throw a plug to operationcode.org. <laughs> yeah. Operationcode.org uh, is 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 getting veterans and military spouses and anybody else really interested into the software development world. And we have a Slack with almost 4,000 people in it. I know. Um, so we're getting we so hit, close. We should hit that hopefully today. It'll be an amazing event. And um, you can actually find me on there, just at Lido. Um that's probably the best place. And then, yeah, social media is at BattleBuddyMe, and my personal is at Lido Dude. I love it. 
Uh, yeah, I was a founding board member of that organization. Absolutely, just have a, Absolutely. a special place of my heart. <laughs> so I love that you're a member of that and you're very active. And uh, so, Lido, thank you so much for being on the thank program. Thank you, Lido. Thank you. And, Josh, for, uh, and, and for being so candid, you know, we... It's it's a great story. And people uh, go to battlebuddy.me. It's just a great organization to support. So thank you for your time, uh, Lito. So you've been listening to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network, the network that brings inspiration and education to startups and entrepreneurs around the globe. Tune in again next week and every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Listen, learn, and get stuff done. See you next week, guys. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.